Welcome to CEO On The Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm your host, Gail Lance, and together we'll be exploring the people side of leadership. You'll learn how to better engage and inspire those around you and yourself. So let's get started. If you're dealing with drama in your workplace, you've landed in the right place. Today is a special episode because it features a conversation I have with a fantastic guest expert who helps leaders stop workplace drama. In fact, she's author of both Stop Workplace Drama and No Drama Leadership. Her name is Marlene Chisholm. She's a good friend and consulting colleague of mine, and I've never met someone who's more capable, insightful, and energetic about helping other people work through drama. So we have lots to discuss. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome back to CEO On The Go podcast. I'm really excited today to have a guest expert with me because normally I'm here talking alone, and it's just great to have somebody with such great expertise, especially in an area that I think is so relevant today, building drama-free workplaces. So I'd like to welcome my friend and colleague, Marlene Chisholm. Marlene, are you there? I'm here, Gail. Thanks for having me. Good. Well, I'm just so glad to have a conversation with someone, especially during these times when we're kind of still in lockdown, but there's still so much going on. I know that you and I have talked a lot about today's times and how drama has been really amplified. So I can't wait to get your thoughts on a few issues. My goal with this podcast is really to help busy leaders gain some quick insights and some actionable ideas to help them with specific issues that I know that they're facing now in real time. So I know that we'll be able to cover a lot of ground in a short period of time. So I thought just to kickstart things, why don't you kind of give me a sense of what you're seeing now? I know that when you and I talked, the stress, the tension, uh, the anger, the drama is just much greater now. So tell me what you're seeing out there and some of the, the client scenarios that you're dealing with. You know, it's just everywhere, and I feel that I was born for these times because I've been talking about this for 20 years, and my definition for drama is any obstacle to peace or prosperity. So that kind of encapsulates both the invisible realm, you know, like if you're not feeling peaceful, you're stirred up, you're worried, you have a lot of angst, and then also just the disruption that's happened economically, so peace and prosperity. We're seeing it in both areas right now. We're seeing it on social media. We're seeing it with all the racial issues and tensions that, that have arised uh, that have always been there, but they're, they've escalated. We're seeing it in workplaces with this COVID experience. And so there's a lot of drama and a lot of drama we can talk about today. Yeah, I've, I've seen just a lot of increased emotion, even with some of the most senior leaders that I'm dealing with even if they're not experiencing situations themselves, they have team members that are really having trouble kind of holding it together and uh, working well together, even virtually. So I was just curious to know what your take is on what leaders are doing or perhaps what they're not doing that's also contributing to the issue of drama in the workplace. Well, that's that's a great question because the way that I define leadership 
is that if leadership is about anything, it's about alignment and alignment is about focusing energy. And so right now there's a lack of focus everywhere. People are off on their own agendas. They're working off of opinions and passion and getting triggered and being worried. And so a leader's real opportunity right now is to um, learn the skills to manage conflict and also to deal with their own emotions And so one thing that leaders can do is really set that vision, keep working toward the vision of of whatever the mission and vision is of their organization, and really try to focus the attention in that direction to something positive, because people are needing a way to focus all of their energy right now. That makes complete sense. They're also struggling a bit, or some, I should say, interpersonally, wondering, uh, sometimes they admit, well, what's wrong with me now? I feel like I'm uh, you know, on a zero one day and a 10 on the next day, they're up and down. We've talked about this on some other podcasts. So they're having to get a grip on their own kind of emotional state at the same time. And I know that you talk about the importance of generating self-awareness in yes. leadership. So what are some of those techniques or ideas that you have that can help those who are struggling right now, wondering what's going on with me <laughs> to, yeah. to get a better clue? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so true. We're all feeling a lot of different things that we haven't had to look at before. And this is the time to really use that experience to look inward, to become more aware. Um, And one thing that I help my clients to do is learn to interpret things differently. And so um, I often say that just because you have a thought doesn't believe that doesn't mean just because you have a thought or a belief doesn't mean that it's true. So as leaders, it's up to us to look at facts Uh, to look at what we want instead of what we don't want, and to keep that focus. So this is a good opportunity to kind of, I guess, look at your stinking thinking, so to speak, and try to figure out how to take control of your mind, how to take control of your thoughts, and in that way, you're going to be managing your emotional energy a lot better. Can you share a specific example of an organization that you've worked with or a CEO or senior executive that you know has has been successful in kind of moving through that process or gaining some awareness and insight that's really helped him or her? Gosh, let me think. Um, you know, I'm always having leaders that, um, first of all, when they first come to me, you know, they'll, they'll have an idea that something's wrong and they will have an opinion about what it is and who it is. And, and they've got this idea that they want me to either come in and do a workshop or coach someone else where I really try to step in is just to back up for a moment and let's look at the facts. Let's get the clarity of what you want to have happen that's not happening or what's not happening that you need to happen. Because the biggest challenge that I see is that a lot of times leaders really at the the top level, they jump right into problem solving before they can really identify the situation. Uh, Just an example recently, someone reached out um, wanting me, they already had it in their mind that I was going to coach someone. And I said, before we get started on that, why don't you let me hear what's going on and then write a situation analysis? Because I have found that if we don't agree on the problem itself, trying to fix someone else or redirect someone else may not really be the answer. So in my own work, I really work to define what, what is it that we want? What's our outcome? And what is the situation? Because until you have those two points of reference, your thinking really isn't aligned to getting the results you think you want. Yes. And, and I love how so much of your work is focused on having the difficult conversations or the, the truthful conversations. I know that some of the projects that I've worked on 
uh, it's almost like they're, they're trying to do everything but have a direct conversation or they're using surveys or assessments yeah. and things like that, which in and of themselves aren't necessarily bad, but in some ways it's, it's um, not enabling that leader to have the real conversations that they need to be having with the people that are involved in a specific situation. Yeah, I see that too. I see um, this checklist kind of mindset of let's just keep gathering data, keep gathering data, keep gathering data, telling the consultant what to do, what to do, what to do. In reality, <laughs> it would be better. We're laughing because we talk about this all the time. I know. You know, when it would be better to say, I've learned this from just 20 years. This, I started to see this pattern and there was a core pattern in every single like company that was going through a lawsuit or any kind of big drama, a lot of turnover, whatever it was, however it was showing up, I saw three patterns of communication that was almost always present, and that was avoidance, appeasing, and aggression. And all of those signs indicate that someone is not having a conversation and that there are elephants in the room. And so I have noticed that aggression and avoidance are two sides of the same coin. And that's what I keep seeing is the avoidance of conversation. And it may be through aggression. It may be through appeasing, but avoidance is the issue. Interesting. So what would, what would be a possible first step for someone that does see the elephant in the room, doesn't really know how to address it or even you know, wants to address it? What, what might be a tiny stepping stone or a way that they can can see it differently and get the results yeah. that they're looking for. Well, you kind of said it. It's really just about that awareness that there is an elephant because until you, you can't fix what you don't acknowledge. Mm -hmm. And so just acknowledging that, or even being curious, like, have I avoided something? Just asking that question because it is so unconscious that, and, and I see it in my own life. I can be avoiding something and not know that I'm avoiding. We make these excuses like, well, it's a company picnic, or it's bad timing, or after all, everybody's going through a hard time. And there's truth in that. And so in that truth, we make it the whole truth instead of like, it is bad timing today, but let's start fresh tomorrow. So the company picnic, bad timing, their divorce, my bad headache, all those become reasons to not address something. And it's better to admit that you're avoiding it and know that you need some coaching help. So knowing it is the first step. And I would say, even the ability to state the observed behavior. If you can do that, you're miles ahead of most leaders. Mm, that's great insight. I, I was curious to know your thoughts too on maybe one, one way that some leaders might be avoiding is blaming the current situation where, well, we're not meeting in person. So perhaps it's a little bit easier to not have the conversation, right? When you're operating partially or fully in a more virtual world. Yes, I see that. I see the blaming. And I also see another kind of a weird pattern. Uh, there's a couple of weird patterns. One is using email, and that can get really out of hand very quickly. A lot of passive aggressive things happen on email. <laughs> I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> Misinterpretation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's one. And um, I hate to say it, but I've like lost the other one. It's already gone. It's flown oh, that's out. That's all right. I know that you've got you've got a lot in there to share. So we'll, yeah, we'll pull it out or move on to something else that would be um, interesting to chat about to to be helpful to people that are listening in because I'm sure they're thinking about a specific sticky situation or um, awkward situation or something that's ignited in their workplace. And so just trying to help them think through you know, some of the thoughts that they can hold and actions that they can take to 
to really address that in a constructive way. So, And I think that's the key that you said constructive way. People have, all of us do, we have this idea that if it's a sticky situation, we're going to be enemies, someone's going to cry, someone's going to throw a chair. And yes, that can happen. But a lot of times, it's just turning off all the assumptions and getting curious. And one of the things that I was coaching a client the other day on this, like, she's like, how do I approach this? How do I approach this? And it's been avoided for years. And I said, you know, why not just say, hey, I noticed you've been, you know, we made an agreement that you would come in at, at 830 when you couldn't, could no longer come in at eight. And what I've observed is that it started to be very inconsistent. Sometimes it's nine o'clock, sometimes it's um, 845, sometimes it's 915. Walk me through what's going on. Because just in the curiosity, it opens a conversation. Instead of assuming that they don't care or that they're bad people, it may be because they thought it didn't matter because you haven't said anything. Or they see you doing it and you're the owner or you're the leader, so they think it's okay for them. So you have to ask the question and get really curious from a place of learning because in that conversation, then you can say, well, I can see how you're uh, experiencing this, but here's what I need you to do. And then it's just a simple ask. I need you to start coming in at 8.30 again. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so you're not, um, the easy thing to do is to make assumptions. Perhaps Mm -hmm. the more challenging thing or, or less natural thing might be just to show curiosity, especially in some leadership roles where you're used to calling the shots and people doing what you want them to do. Uh, People are more complicated. So you have to try different approaches that can appeal to different people. I also like the way that you language that because you made it about behavior and not about the person. Yes. You were talking about what you're observing and what the impact is versus saying, you know, you're you're not a good person or you you don't follow through on your word or something that could be more of attack mode or criticism. And, you know, Gail, it's weird because a lot of the conversations that I have start out with an executive calling and they might be talking about a manager or even a colleague and they'll say something like, oh, they've got such a bad attitude or they really don't care. They're just biding their time. They've got three years to retirement. And I have to be careful as a consultant not to just agree with that. I have to hear them, but then say, how do you know? Well, you can just tell. And I'll say, well, what are they not doing that you want them to do? Hard to say. Well, what have you, what, how have you talked with them about that? Well, I really haven't done that yet. How long has it been going on? 12 years. So <laughs> that's sort of a, that's like an encapsulation of a conversation that I have at least monthly. Yes. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Well, I wanted to talk about creating culture, you know, because that's the essence of, of what you're doing is creating a kind of a new culture, new, new ways of operating. And I really like your statement or philosophy about, you know, to change the culture, you have to change the conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one reason our work is so aligned. I always say changing the culture requires having a, a different kind of dialogue. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on that with companies that recognize that now we're in this new environment We've seen some explosions. We've seen people kind of going off the rails or more drama than we would like to see. And we want to move things in a new direction, creating a culture where people are working together better going forward. Um, no drama. What, what would be some of the, the things that leaders or organizations need to consider? I would say really look at the idea of 
fostering an environment of personal responsibility. If that's missing, you're going to have so many problems. And get a real definition for personal responsibility. In, in my second uh, commercially published book, No Drama Leadership, I make a distinction between responsibility and accountability. And we use those words interchangeably. But the way that I talk about that is responsibility is of the heart. In other words, I own it, it's mine, and everything that happens, I'm a part of it. And, and accountability is, it can be measured. It's, it's uh, 12 feet or it's 30 feet, it's heavy or it's light. You can, you can prove something, you can measure, and there's always a witness, there's a boss, there's an accountability partner, there's another person that agrees with the results you're getting. And so if there's not this act of ownership, you're going to have a lot of problems. And if you own the concept of responsibility, the language is going to be different. You won't hear what I call irresponsible language, which irresponsible language is talking about the past and what didn't work. It's putting blame on other people. Mm. It's um, disrespectful. We're seeing a lot of irresponsible language in the media, in social media, in the news. Um, you know, even from many leaders, we're seeing irresponsible language, and that always fosters a lot of drama. Mm, that's great, great insight there. I know that how you communicate is, is so uh, sensitive right now, too. So what are some of your thoughts on that, just about the, the heightened sensitivities? Uh, I think a lot of leaders are concerned sometimes about saying anything because they're going to um, ignite something or someone's going to r- respond negatively. So... Yes, try to try to be yeah, positive, speak for what you want, not for what you won't want, but not for what you don't want. Mm-hmm. I, I often say knowing your feelings won't change the facts, but knowing the facts can change your feelings. And then mm-hmm. when you change your feelings, you change your experience. That's so so good. a lot of the experience right now is based on just a lot of justified or not. We have a lot of rage. There's a lot mm-hmm. of passion. There's a lot of opinions. And most people haven't really even done enough research to stand on the platforms they're standing on. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be able to neutralize ourselves. In other words, not not to take away the passion for justice and for righteousness and for all the things, integrity and all the things that we stand for, but to stop thinking that we know all the answers or that we see every side of every issue. Mm-hmm. And until we become a little more curious and a lot less certain, we're not going to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like that is definitely the leader's work to do mm-hmm. to help model that for team members and others in the organization. Because everyone seems to have a strong opinion about something these days. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, that's something that takes some practice that won't won't happen overnight. It's that emotional energy that we most of us are really struggling with right now. I find one of the biggest barriers um, to initiating difficult conversations that we were just talking about is like people will say, well, I don't want to hurt her feelings. I don't want her to cry. I don't want him to get angry. I don't want him to be offended. And anymore, someone getting offended could make you lose your job in today's world. That's very true. Yes. But it's about letting other people be responsible for their own reaction. And, and then for us having the right intention for the conversation And so rather than I don't want them to feel a certain thing, look at what I'm avoiding feeling because that's where the barrier is. Because truthfully, you know, I always tell people, if you're a sociopath, you don't care how other people feel. We all care how other people feel because we're human beings and we're built for connection. Mm -hmm. But I have to take responsibility for how I feel 
And from that perspective, then that's where I have my conversation. And, and I often say that if you feel like if it feels really good to tell someone off, that feeling probably isn't going to help you that much. It, it really needs to be more of a peaceful, clarity kind of feeling because we're all reacting on what feels good in the moment versus being really thoughtful. Mm-hmm. So true. Well, I was curious if you could share more about some of the the unique work that you're doing with your Raging uh, 20s Reset groups, because I know that part of what you're experiencing now led you to launch some groups. So why don't you share how those are working and what you're learning and experiencing with some forward-thinking leaders that you're working oh, with? Oh, thank you. It, it was a decision to sort of retool my own I guess, business model or my company, the way I was doing business, because some of mine was traveling and, um, you know, consulting, speaking, training, that kind of thing. And everything canceled or got pushed off to the fall. And now those fall events are either being done virtually or they're pushed into the next year. And so I thought, what could I do that would be affordable, would be fun, and would be, would really push me to just keep moving forward. And so I built this Um, program called Raging 20s Reset. Every single month, there's a different topic. It goes for three Tuesdays out of the month. And it is for, I limit it to 12 people. And what they get is they get sort of a meet you where you are kind of coaching, um, dialogue, sharing. We have a um, cloud-based place to connect and share ideas and coach a little bit. And then they each get um, free what comes with it is email coaching. How long I can do that, I don't know, but it's really mm-hmm. fun because it forces people to get their ideas in writing. And so this mm-hmm. month um, that we're recording this, it's clear, or right now we're doing relationships, but it's a closed group. It's, we're done with that. But next month, it's going to be clarity and decision-making. And so every month, it's a different topic. And I teach a model, and then we have coaching and sharing and helping each other. And it's, it's really been a lot of fun. Good. I just think it sounds like a wonderful service offering. And of, of course, I'm biased too, because I love the small group dynamic. And what I especially like about the groups that I understand that you're running now and that I run too, is that they're attracting leaders from different industries. So yes. it's, it's a really great for, way to learn. Yeah. Well, it is. I love that. I'm like you. I love the different industries. And that's one of the benefits of being a consultant. We get to learn from utility companies or from you know, from government entities, from privately owned to, um, you know, even around the world. Like I've got someone from the UK and Canada in this one. I've got people from Africa asking about the next one. Yeah. The cool thing about the work we do as consultants is that now that everybody understands the virtual world, you and I have been doing this forever. And now that everybody understands it, it's opening up all kinds of new opportunities and I know we're both really excited about that. Yeah, and for what the participants learn from others, it really does create a, una- a unique value for the people who are involved in those groups. So Absolutely. great. Well, I'll include in the show notes a link to that specific service offering into your site so people can learn more there. But before we sign off today, because um, I do like to keep our sessions relatively short. I was wondering if you had any final tips uh, that you could offer for leaders who want to prevent or minimize drama, especially in in these challenging times. I mean, drama has always existed, right? It's just kind of at a different level at this point. So what would be some what would be some kind of closing tips or or something to sign off with that might give a leader hope or ideas? 
this has always been the one thing that helps me no matter what I'm struggling with. The idea that in all drama, there's always a lack of clarity and the one with clarity always navigates the ship. So all you have to do, if you have some sort of a disruption to your peace or prosperity, instead of blaming the president, instead of blaming your employees, instead of thinking you're a bad person, instead of getting into all this other mind drama, ask the question, where is there a lack of clarity? And if you do nothing more than think on that for a day or two, it will start to unravel. And in that clarity, you'll be able to step back up on that top deck and you will be navigating the ship. I love that. What a great, um, great question to ponder. Seems like a simple question, but to your point, it will take some time and perhaps a, some retreating <laughs> to reflect on that. So that's great. Well, thank you so much, Marlene, for joining me uh, today uh, and to share your insights. And people can reach you by going to your site, marlenechisholm.com. Is that the best way to reach you? That's the best way. You can also join me on LinkedIn and tell, uh, tell me that uh, you heard me on, on Gail's podcast. <laughs> great, great. Yeah, one of, one of the first uh, expert guests on CEO on the Go podcast. So again, thank you so much. And uh, to those of you listening in, uh, I hope that you've gained some great insights. I'm sure that you have. And to learn more, feel free to check out marlenechisholm.com. And of course, if you have feedback on this specific episode, you can reach out on ceoonthegopodcast.com. Um, please be sure to share with your friends, colleagues, peers, anyone who you think would benefit from this message. So I hope you have a great rest of the week wherever you are doing work that matters. Until then, take care. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and visit workmatters.com. And if you have a question or suggestion for a future topic for the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. So keep growing as a leader and doing the work that matters to you. Until next time. Mm -hmm.